Hello and welcome to another summer edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Uh, we are recording on July... I already forgot what day it is. Computer tell me. July 28th, which is bold given that tomorrow is Tyson Berry's uh, arbitration hearing. The day we'll, of reckoning. We'll get there. We'll see if we jinx anything. Joining me today are Ryan Murphy. Howdy. And some, from some wildlife preserve somewhere is Earl 06. Hello, everybody. So if you hear, you know, birds or uh, sudden bears or anything like that, that's, you know, who to blame. It's been several weeks since free agency, so uh, I feel like the best thing to do is to start um, not with free agency. Let's start with Nathan McKinnon's extension, or <laughs> re-signing, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, seven years, 6.3 million AAV. How much do you guys love this deal? What's not to like? You uh, get to watch Nathan McKinnon for seven more years, right? Seven yeah. more years. And, and he's happy about it. I mean, it, you know, there's just nothing not to like about it. Um, I love the fact that he sort of, it, it seemed like he was in for, you know, a bit of a longer negotiation. And it, and it seemed like it sort of dawned on him that, you know, I could just take this deal and be happy for seven years and, and we could go with that. And, and it happened. If you're in your car, that siren is not behind you. That's that's us. Yeah, that's on Sweet and Creek Boulevard. Yeah, I think <laughs> if I that's like where it. you are, it might be behind you. <laughs> yeah, I think I like it just enough. I mean, it, obviously, it's an expensive price now for his production, but it won't be. And hopefully by the end of this contract, we're getting big savings on Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. That's, now, that's, that's a good yeah. caveat. Um, because, you know, it, I, I think more due to his injuries and some other I don't know, rookie hitting the wall, sophomore hitting the wall, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, he hasn't. You know, shown his full potential yet, and we still don't know if he's injury-prone or not. Right, but he's still been a 50-60 point player at 18, 19 years old, and uh, I guess 20 last year, and we're going to see him in his prime scoring more points than that. I mean, it's yeah. just going to happen. He's that talented of a player, and $6.3 million is going to seem like a drop in the hat. And when you look at that <clears throat> $6.3 million figure, um, you also kind of have to consider in that didn't the team eat two UFA years with this one? Um, might be three, because he, he's, you know, he, he's he's gobbled up three already, and I I don't know his birthday well enough to say whether it would be four or five after that, but it's, uh, September one, I think. Okay, so it would be two. Yeah, That's UFA good. years. I. You know, I don't think this price comes as a shock to anybody. I think the Avalanche were interested in doing this deal. I think it's more important to discuss perhaps the direction of the team and signing players to long-term contracts when they prove it early on. I mean, this isn't a contract the previous regime would have handed out. It would have made him take that two-year bridge deal to make himself more expensive. I agree. Yeah, the bridge deals are, I think... For the most part, a thing of the past. I think that uh, the the league in general seems to be moving away from that, and that they seem to be getting toward you know where you are playing paying your younger players, you know for present production as opposed to paying your older players for past production. 
Right. Well, just to go on a tangent here, then, you know, what, what would you do with Zadorov next summer? You that, know, it, boy, that depends entirely on this upcoming season. Well, I mean, can he prove enough in one season to, you know, make that long-term deal a, a possibility? It is possible, you know, depending on the price he's asking for. I mean, if yeah. he's willing to accept a long-term deal for something like $4.5 million, maybe you consider that. I think you would, yeah. I mean, if, if I think it's going to be more of a head thing rather than um, a, a statistical thing. You know, I, I think it's going to be more the staff looks at him and says, all right, this guy is, I, you know, he's matured enough that he's going to be, you know, ready to play in the NHL for the next seven years and the points and everything else will just get better and better. You know, I think the reason he wouldn't get it is because of more question marks after this season. Right. You know, I also think that these Russian players value these long-term contracts in a different way than the American players do is, you know, they value being over here and getting out, being able to play for this kind of money. It's an interesting uh, perspective that I hadn't thought about actually, because I mean, if you, if, if you're here for a longer term deal, it's a little bit of job security for while you're here. And as we've seen repeatedly, you can always just back out and go home if you really, really want to. <coughs> it's rare, but it happens. But apart from that, I don't feel like it makes a whole lot of sense for Zadorov to accept a long-term deal after, you know, say one good season. Because if he gets two or even three years, he gets he can place a bet on himself to come back for the next couple of seasons and earn an even bigger deal. Right, which is what is uh, Russian buddy Mikhail Gregorenko is doing right now for one season. I mean, there's just one point three million. him. Pardon? One point three mil. Right, at $1.3 million, which is probably low. Uh, but, you know, we think that he's the kind of player that could earn a larger contract. And just he had one six season. goals, though. I mean, 1.3 is pretty high for a six-goal score. It's right. low for our perception of what his ceiling is. It's definitely not low for what he's actually done. Right. But the assists are no lie. I mean, his primary assists are right up there among the top of the team. And it's only going to get better as he's playing on top lines. Right. You know, Do he's you think... a player that's going to earn a better contract by playing this one more season on top lines, just by being in the top six somewhere. Just pretend we weren't in the cap crunch that we are this year. Do you think the Avs would have considered a longer term deal for Grigo? I mean, I put forth, you know, like a four-year, 1.5 AAV kind of contract, maybe even a four-year, two AAV. Um, do you think if they didn't have the cap crunch that they do this year that they would have maybe thought about doing something like that? I mean, you know, you see Yarncroft's contract, six years at two. I mean, that's – I mean, I don't know why anyone would ever offer or accept that, but they did. So. <laughs> I see, yeah, what's up with that? I saw that on – like both my eyebrows just disappeared into my, into my hair. Yeah. I was like, what? I know, no. The first thing no I said – I would love to get Grigorenko on that deal right now. And, you know? I, and I would love to be you on that deal myself. Let their player do that. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like the player's just sort of betting against himself and the, the team's just sort of like, well, we could probably replace this guy, but well, we won't. Easily trade him. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I, I don't know if the Avalanche would have spent their money that way because if you weren't paying Jerome McGinley and Brad Stewart their contracts, I think they would have been looking for a splashier free agent. I still think that would have been priority number one. Uh, you're probably right. And I don't know about that. I mean, who would you – I mean, I, I don't Demers. see that much tempting out there. Demers. Jason Demers. Right. What do you sign for a four and a half? I mean, what, what if they had signed Chris Russell remember. just because they didn't have those two contracts? Well, I mean, then we'd yell and scream about it. Yeah. You know, maybe this is the last year we they they needed to be saved from themselves, and maybe Brad Stewart's legacy in this organization is <clears throat> allowing them to not make a bad deal. <laughs> Hopefully. By We're filling all look up. back on these years. Yeah. <laughs> By being on a terrible deal, he allowed them not to make another one. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I think the Avalanche are going to be in a pretty good shape next year. And, you know, they're going to have probably eight to nine million dollars to pace one or two players that could really help this team or extend another player that they expect to contribute to their future. And, you know, we get an evaluation year before they get to make a stupid mistake. With spin like that, Earl, if you ever get tired of doing what you do now, you have a, a nice career ahead of you in cable news. I, you know, I did major in political science. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> a couple campaigns yeah. that could use you about once a day right now. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a lot of like if you saying too high on Grigorenko's numbers. People, other people saying too low or, or too. Or you're saying too, you're saying low. Others are saying high just because of what he's produced. Um, what what are we expecting from him this season? Um, numbers wise. And then we can look at that and say, where do we expect that to shake out in his next deal? I mean, is 10 goals and 30 assists too far-fetched? Not at all. I, I mean, it, so. you know, it, it depends on just, you know, how wildly you want to project his numbers. I mean, I, I, I don't think goals are going to go up a ton. I, I doubt they get much past 10. But I really think his assists could, could really fly off the charts. Um, I, you know, I think if he has a major point increase, it's going to be, be because of assists, and he but could I, have a lot of them. I see him being a forty to fifty point player. You know, within the next three to four years. Yeah, and I mean that, those type of players get paid right now. Yeah, he, he'll be our passy Sadin. Right. Well, the barrier to that is is people who can put the puck in the net. Yeah, we need to shoot Sadin. You know, if if people who probably should score more goals actually do score more goals then you know he could really have a nice you know sub 20 goal but 40 to 50 assist type career for a few years yeah no harm in that i mean you need complimentary yeah. players there's plenty of guys on this team that are going to be able to stuff it in so hey, peter forsberg never scored more than 30 goals but he had over 100 points a lot of times right. guys that can play like that are you know they kind of drive play a lot you know, we've also observed that Gregorenko plays defense, and especially in a left-wing role on this team, that's valuable. Because you're covering from some centers that have deficiencies. Yep, he's well-rounded. Don't really have a two-way guy in the middle anymore. Well, the nice thing about that is, it, you know, I don't want to say it's the backup plan, but you know, let's say he doesn't really bloom point-wise. He's always going to be a very good third-liner. You know, Absolutely. he is now. Even as a center. I mean, yeah. 
why not? So what what you've got now is good to have, but the potential could, you know, it could be really nice. So I, I guess we don't like the signing because we it doesn't have the term that we wanted. I mean, uh, getting him for a few more years would have been nice because we would have had him at a lower price than you think you, we think that he would have come in at. But uh, we're going to have the opportunity to sign him next year. He's still a restricted free agent, and one point three million dollars is really cap friendly for this team for a top could, six player especially yeah no i mean it was it was a contract that we needed you know it, he was the kind of guy we needed to get really cheap i mean just that's cody mcleod money just you know yep. putting that out there for everybody yes and yes. he's produ- producing at 21 years old at twice the rate already so so um Meanwhile, the team made several signings uh, here and there. <coughs> Beginning on free agency day, they were the they, they've been connected with Patrick Weirkoch for ever, as far as I'm concerned. It's been a guy they've been uh, rumored to be targeting in trades forever. Um, so they they brought him in after he was like he was was he bought out by the Senators or was he yeah. not re-signed? What was this, how did he become available? I don't even remember. I think he was uh, not qualified. Not qualified. Not qualified. I'm sure. So that he's on a eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Right. Even if that flames out entirely, that's a good deal. It is. It's a good yeah. risk. Uh, it's a low amount of money, and it's a guy you can stick on your bench. You know, eating nachos on game days, and not feel too bad about it. But uh, you know, also an intriguing enough player to you know push some guys that are in that bottom pairing, hopefully. So that's I think that um, along with the uh, the deal for Nathan McKinnon is my favorite thing that the Avalanche have done this off season. So I will turn that question back at you guys. What is your favorite thing the team's done so far this season? Off season. For off me, season. it's hiring Nolan Pratt. Hiring Nolan Pratt. Let's transition then. Kaboom! Why is Nolan Pratt? Such a good addition to the Colorado Avalanche. Well, it, it's, you know, forget Nolan Pratt, the guy. It's it's showing that they know that there was an issue defensively last year and that um, that, that Dave Farish, you know, might not be able to catch up with the times quick enough to get the Avalanche where they need to be defensively. So um, they took a guy who was by all accounts, on the fast track to, to getting an NHL job in the future. He interviewed for the Rampage head job, right? Yeah, I mean, the you know, from, from what you hear, that they interviewed him for the the Rampage job, and they said, hey, get, you know what, we're going to take you for the NHL, and we'll get another guy who's already got a job in Victoriaville for our Rampage coach. That's um, interesting. Yeah, and... You know, the, I, I, I watched the Monsters, you know, I, I probably watched them six or seven games, um, the games that the Rampage played against them and a few in the Calder Cup finals. Um, you know, they had a, a really exciting kind of defense. Um, it, it was it was one of those, I don't, I don't want to liken it to the Penguins, but sort of the mentality was like the Penguins, whereas, you know, you're not having big guys playing defense and, you know, blocking shots and, 
smashing into people. It was just get the puck, get it moving forward type of mentality. And it, it really worked for them well. And, and I think that's exactly what the Avalanche need. How do you expect that dynamic to work? You know, because Dave Farish is still in the fold. That, uh, that's my question is why not replace Dave Farish? Why add to him? I, the only thing I can think of is that they're going to specialize Farish's role somehow. That either he's going to be um, special teams guy. He could be the special teams guy. He could be. Uh, I mean, I you know, I I wish he'd been re- replaced myself. So I, I just I can't make a case for it. But because you don't hire Nolan Pratt to let him sit on the sidelines and not implement what he brings, right? Right. I mean, no, this is kind of a bold coaching move. Yeah, it is. But I, I mean, they—you know—he was a talented guy. He was willing to just come to Colorado, which generally has not been the case in years past. So <laughs> I, I think they looked at what they had there and said, "You know, we we got to give this guy a shot, and give him whatever he wants, basically." <laughs> right. You're not going to smother a guy that you had to convince to come here, you know, over presumably other opportunities. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, training camp will be interesting to watch, yeah. uh, seeing who's doing the teaching, who's doing the instructing, who's leading drills. You know, those power dynamics show a little bit more during practices than they do during games. Well, I honestly think that's where I, I think that one thing they really got him for was for, for being the teacher. Um, just because he's worked in the AHL for the past five years and – you know, honestly, Dave Farish was not very effective teaching guys. You know, maybe he was good strategically. Maybe he was good, you know, planning in, in coaches' sessions and things like that. And maybe that's going to be his role. But it, it seems like Pratt's you know, real strong points are going to be teaching especially younger players. Well, uh, moving on, I, I think my favorite move is probably the one that was most surprising to me, and that was signing A.J. Greer to an entry-level contract. Huh. Okay. And, uh, Going that, off the board. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that surprised me. I, I think I expected him to do another year in the queue, uh, you know, especially after all the tumult in the NCAA prior to jumping back to Major Junior. I just thought that he probably would have I thought the t- organization would have preferred that he had one steady year first but I think that they were so impressed with his progress that you almost had to give him the opportunity and you know it is a rare opportunity to play in the AHL at 19 years old and he was able to do so because he took that college route um, I am really interested and intrigued at what he can do early on because I think as soon as next year he's probably at least a fourth line guy in the NHL, I think he could be. Um, you know, one thing you just get from every, every observation you hear about uh, from development camp or um, even going back to when he was with the Huskies is that, you know, he's very motivated. He's very willing to learn. He's very willing to do whatever it takes um, to better himself and, and to, to be what uh, be the kind of forward that you know he should be, and I, I, you know, I expect nothing less when he's in San Antonio this year. Yeah, I mean he's got the game to be effective as a 
checking line player pretty early on. I mean, I'm still interested in what a ceiling is as a goal scorer. I'm not sure any of us really know that. It may take a couple of years to really come on, but he may have an opportunity to contribute pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I've been really impressed with, um, I don't know if you heard the abs cast with him last week, but just, you know, him discussing, you know, why he's in Denver for most of the summer, you know, at 19 years old, um, going to the, the city in which the team you were drafted plays so you can work out with their staff, learn how to be a pro better, learn how to eat, sleep, all the things they teach you in dev camp, but, you know, do that after dev camp for a few weeks and then move on to power skating in Toronto, which he's doing in, I think, next week he starts. But that's, you know, that's that's a lot of motivation. That's a lot to take on for a 19-year-old. It just seems a, a bit of maturity that you wouldn't expect from someone that age. Maybe I'm just being old. I don't know. I'm just sitting there thinking, what was I doing the summer when I was 19? You know, I, I think I was moving um, from one apartment in that complex to a different one. So not a big move. And working a couple of jobs on campus. I think I switched from Keystone Light to PBR that year. Uh, we were most certainly not, you know, traveling to some other state, some other time zone in order to, uh, you know, better prepare ourselves for our careers. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, I mean, I, I still am confounded how the Boston university coach just did not see playing time for this kid. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, I, we've expounded on that plenty of times during this podcast, but uh, it just still makes no sense to me. One of the great mysteries. So are there any moves the team's made over the offseason so far that you don't like? I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty positive guy, but I, I can't think of many. Um, Not signing no, I, Tyson I mean, Berry to a long-term deal earlier on? Yeah, well, they, they still might. You so. still got a day. So we still got a day before the hearing, and they can still sign him after the hearing before there's a decision, too. Right, plenty of time. I, I wish, I, I guess the, the thing I don't like is I wish they could have found a better solution to the Brad Stewart issue. And I, I don't know if there was one, and I doubt there was. But it's just, it, you know, everybody else seems to be able to throw away their players like that and get something for them. So, I, you know. Right. I'm, I'm glad though, to get rid of Brad Stewart's contract cap this year. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think having him around the team on LTIR was the way to go. But it just, you know, I, I wish there had been a, a way to better make use of that somehow. Yeah, I mean, do you give up a draft pick to get rid of his contract? You yeah, I mean, a prospect. I, you know, that's that's, you know, that's the downside of it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, but I, I mean, it, that's like the Toronto. worst move all summer. We're doing okay, right? Right. Yeah, there's nothing bad, and we still might see something like that happen. I mean, it's not too late. You know, it might be somebody that kind of falls out of favor after training camp or something that they feel is expendable. You know, and yeah. some team with a lot of cap room that needs to get over the hump. You know, could use four million dollars of nacho eating. <laughs> 
For me, um, it's for as much as I like the Weirkoch signing, I don't think I'm a huge fan of the team adding both Weirkoch and Tootin. Because we were just happy that they cleared out Nick Holden's contract and roster spot to make more room for guys like Zadorov, B. Gras, Siemens. And then they filled those spots again. It is interesting. You know, Do you think we the team is better or worse for that, though? Right. I, it's impossible to say. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, they're betting it's better. I, I You know, I'm with you on that because I don't know much about Tootin, but... Tootin um, is a guy who's played a lot of minutes in Columbus, uh, so he's a Jan Hayda type. Yeah. Um, he's never going to score very many points for you, um, but he should slow down the shots coming your way, as in you face far fewer of them. Hmm. Something the team badly needed. And the only thing I can think of, it's, it's part of a bigger plan that involves the new defensive coach... Um, you know, better system. Um, for <clears throat> I, I tend, you know, there, there's been a lot of speculation about who he's going to be paired up with, and it's, you know, it's pretty silly to speculate now. But I just sort of have seen him paired up with Zadorov from the time he was signed. You know, I think that that might be a really good pairing as far as a, a mentor-student deal. Yeah kind of take on that Francois Beauchemin role that you know they had during that pairing for a couple of games yeah because I mean Beauchemin and Z worked really well together but I just I don't see them wanting to split up Beauchemin and Johnson at least at the beginning of the year I wish they would well you know I I I don't know who would be better yep that I also wish that there was (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know, I think maybe if, if Boschman and, and Tutin do their jobs very, very well, that, that Zadorov and Johnson will spend the last 30 games together and be fantastic. Yeah, there you go. That um, would probably be best-case scenario that they're hoping for. Yeah, but but my critique here is not against Tutin the player or Weirkoch the player. It's against the – it's kind of a mixed message where you've cleared out some space and – You've extended Duncan Siemens for, you know, negligible dollars. And then you've got B-Grod, you've got Zadorov, and you're talking about playing time. And then you bring in both of these guys who slot in, you know, above all three of them on the depth chart right. in paper, or on paper. I mean, at the end of last season, there's no way I would have expected Chris B-Grod not to be a part of the opening night lineup for the Colorado Avalanche. And now I think he's probably playing in San Antonio to start the year. Yeah, well, I mean, to hear the uh, the BSN guys tell it, Bigraw really struggled with the coaching from Dave Ferris, and we could see his play on the ice kind of... He, start, he started off pretty strong, and then towards the end of the season, the rookie mistakes were a lot more common, and the... Uh, he also had a concussion, and I don't think he, you know... It's, it's dumb to speculate on this, but it, it seemed like after the concussion, he wasn't as good. I don't know if that's the concussion. I don't know if it's Dave Farish or what. Okay, I forgot about the concussion, actually, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, But I I really think that that Bigra would benefit a lot from first-pairing minutes in San Antonio. Um, I think it just – I don't think even last season that, you know, he was on the third pair just because there was no one that you could put there otherwise. 
but I, I just don't, I don't think that was optimal. I don't think he was very ready for it. You know, uh, one thing we can guarantee next year is this team has real options to replace bottom line pairing defensemen. Yeah. And that's, you know, not something we had last year. I mean, uh, Tootin is a better player than Andrew Bodnerchuk. <laughs> um, you know, so is Weircoach. But all right, we're gonna have to uh, hurry things along here because there's actually a storm blowing up over my town right now, and I have freaking out dogs, and the power could blink at any minute. <laughs> so, um, <coughs> but hey, that's a definitely. Hold on. <laughs> Can y'all not? <laughs> Thank you. We're all aware. <laughs> so yeah we'll try to you're gonna hear some thunder in the background you may hear my dogs panicking i apologize we're gonna try to wrap this thing up in a, re in a reasonable amount of time um but i mean honestly if the worst things that we can come up with are you know minor gripes and i'm not the plan isn't 100 percent clear in this particular set of moves that's a hell of a lot better than in the past couple of Last years seasons, uh, when it's been our big gripe are you you traded for who and signed him to what and we haven't had that the last two years i mean yep. uh, maybe boshaman's leaning that way but i think all of us are fine with that yeah i, I think a lot of people are kind of in that sort of acceptance deal with boshaman we're like yeah he was great for a while and then he was not great for a while and that's not necessarily his fault and the third year is probably too much but we'll see how he holds up Again, if that's the worst thing that the Avalanche are doing, those are good off-seasons. Yeah. So let's talk about um, the new head coach in San Antonio. What what can you tell us about Mr. Eric, last name? <laughs> Eric Veyu was, he was hired. I don't, you know, I don't want to make this out that he was their second choice or whatever, but, um, you know, he, <clears throat> he was, he was already, signed up to be the head coach and general manager of Victoriaville, the QMJHL and sort of in a, in a late move, um, was <clears throat> taken away from that. And I guess it was written into his contract that if he was offered the San Antonio rampage job, that, um, that he would be able to leave for that. Um, but he's a very good coach. Um, he was in the AV system as a player, uh, way back in the day, actually, even he started out with the Nordiques um, in their minor league system, and he's he's been a coach in the QMJHL for many years. Very successful, um, very good teaching kids and whatnot. He's saying all the right things as far as wanting to play up tempo and uh, very happy with the moves that the Avs made on free agency day as far as getting veterans that know their roles, want to be mentors to young kids, I guess, you know, what, you know, I, I'm sure everyone still has desires to play in the NHL, but the, the guys that they got know their roles and are there to, to win a Calder cup and, you know, help the organization along rather than help themselves along more or less. Um, so I like it a lot. I, I think, both Veyu and Pratt are guys that are uh, thought of highly in NHL circles as far as coaches of the future, and, and you know we've got two of them now. So it, it, it's a it's a very strong coaching profile that we have as far as uh, young coaches in the system, and 
that makes me happy. Um, but you know, I, I just I think everything that they've done in San Antonio from uh, rebuilding the practice center, hiring a new coach who's well thought of, getting great free agent guys to play, uh, good goalie to mentor Spencer Martin, uh, a whole top line of veteran AHL players that can score. Um, you know, they they got out the checkbook and they've you know they they've made a big difference from this year to what it was last year because having something that like what happened last year happen again is unsatisfactory. So you expect better results in the standings. I do. I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying we're Calder cut threats. Um, you know, AHL is a hard league to handicap because you have so many things that depend on things that aren't part of your, your roster as far as call-ups and, and whatnot. But I just I think the goal um, of developing players and playing well and winning games is, you know, it's it's a lot more realistic this year. That is a very very positive outlook. It and is, I hope it turn, and I hope that's how it pans out because the uh, AHL last year was less useful <laughs> for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, what about the ECHL? Hello, Colorado Eagles. You are now part of the avalanche family yeah we got a rumor about this a, a couple of months ago that the the comments weren't happy with um you know how, how the relationship with colorado was going and colorado wasn't happy with it either i mean the, the comments didn't want so many guys like 10 at a time uh, being sent or sent back and forth um and it just it, it seemed like the comments were a lot more happy with having, you know, three or four guys rather than ten, and they 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 basically they want to win a championship. They want the Avalanche to help them out, but they don't want to deal with having roster fluctuations like that. And I you know I don't really blame them, but it 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 made it a, a transition period that made it easy to go to Colorado and sort of get the relationship that a lot of people have been hoping for for over a decade and, and have the, the Eagles be the, the ECHL affiliate. Right. It's been and, far too long. This should have happened a long time ago. It just makes yeah. so much sense from a promotional standpoint. These yeah. two organizations could really feed off of each other. And that was, that was a lot of what they went through at the press conference is, you know, I, I mean, the Eagles are very big on promoting youth hockey and, you know, getting people just into hockey in northern Colorado, and it's just that the Avs can help so much with that. Um, you know, everyone's saying the right things right now. Um, everyone seems very realistic about what the Avs are going to provide as far as the amount of players. Um, so it's it. I, I think it's, it, instead of two organizations sort of skewing away from each other, but, you know, needing a little bit from each other, that this is going to work out a lot better because they're both on the same page. I love it. As uh, Northern Colorado's newest resident, um, I might actually go see a Colorado Eagles game where yeah. before I would not have. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. I'm interested to see who ends up on that team out of the Colorado Avalanche prospects and, you know, within the next two years. Yeah. And it's, there'll be somebody to watch down there. It's four years. Right. It, the, the agreement goes as long as the San Antonio affiliation, so it's you know it's pretty interesting. Specifically, which goalies end up there? 
That's they, a that's a toughie. Because you know? we've got obviously Varlamov <laughs> and Pickard is going to be the Avalanche tandem. Um, Red O'Bara is now Panther. Yep. And that leaves Spencer Martin and Jeremy Smith. Um, was one of the free agents that the Avs signed on free agent day as part of the part of their shopping spree. Um, he's a very good goalie. I mean, he will be the third Avalanche goalie um, until Spencer's ready to take that. Which is good because he's not. He's not ready exactly. That's that's why when Reto was traded, I was kind of you know I was like they they need to get someone that you know if, if Varley's groin has a a flame up that that can go up there and you know, keep the team in the, in a game and Jeremy Smith can do that. And they also signed a couple of guys on AHL contracts. They signed Nathan Liu and who's been, are they street racing out by your house or what is that? <laughs> it sounds like it. sweet. All Greeks kinds of good sound effects out there, man. It's like a holy studio. Got chirping birds and race cars. I dig the chirping birds, man. It's, it's super relaxing and it's thematic too. Cause we're all like chilling for the summer and stuff. We got crickets out here. We should get the tree frogs in about 45 minutes. Um, but the FSI, Nathan Lewin, who has been with the uh, Sabres uh, Rochester Americans organization for um, quite a few years, he's, he's actually gotten into, I think, seven NHL games. But he's, he's a quality AHL goaltender. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Avs sort of made a decision to make him the backup in San Antonio and, and have Spencer Martin start 60 games or, you know, whatever a full workload is down in, in Colorado. Um, but, you know, I, you know I, I, that's just a wild guess. It could go like that. It might not. Um, but they, what's nice is they have a lot of options now. I mean, Six goalies is a lot to manage, but you know, I just I get the feeling that they signed all these guys, and, and they everyone fully knows what their roles could and should be. That's that's important. Managing expectations is definitely an important deal. Right. I mean, it's it's not like four years ago when they had Sammy and, and Calvin as the new rookie starting goalies in Lake Erie, and then uh, Kent Patterson and. Kieran Millen is the other rookie goalies in the system signed to NHL contracts, which is insane, um, down in, in Denver. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you know, you look through the profile of all six goalies and it's like, all right, you can see that each guy can play several roles and help the team in, in several ways. So I'm really happy about it. Well, we've, uh, we've talked about literally everything else and well, – Nothing has broken, so I guess we got to talk about uh, about this Tyson Berry arbitration. When is that? That is. <laughs> ooh, you can count it in hours. Thirteen hours from now. From right now, yeah. That means probably about ten from when this goes live, and more like two or three from when people will actually start listening. <laughs> So there's a there's a very good chance that everything we're about to say won't matter, but that wouldn't be the first time. Well, do you I think guess. that do you think that that he will sign a deal before the arbitrator's decision, which I guess would be Monday? Um, I think that there's a better chance of that than not, but it's pretty close to fifty fifty for me. Yeah, 
I'm the, I mean, I can't pick. It, it's a pick em for me, too. I can't decide either way. It, right. it seems like they should have something signed soon. I mean, from all reports, the Avs offer was fairly reasonable. Uh, Did you see the offer? That, uh, I mean, I mean the Avs, what the Avs offered for a long-term deal. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. Which is important to note, everyone who d- destroyed Twitter yesterday, <laughs> right. um, the arbitration asks are not the same as what you're negotiating for. Yeah, they no. did not offer him two years at $4 million as their long-term deal. I mean... This is how arbitration works. The team yeah. comes in and makes their case for why the player is not nearly as good as he thinks he is and they're only worth this much. And the player's agent comes in and says, no, he's awesome, here's why, and you should pay him that much. And then the arbitrator goes, hmm, adds those two numbers together, divides them by two, and gives them a number in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're not negotiating when you're in arbitration. You're, you're making a case to basically a judge or a jury, however you want to think about it. But, um, you know, it, whatever they do and whatever the asks are, have has nothing to do with what they might or could offer him in the future as far as a long-term deal. The Avs no don't think whatsoever, none. The, the Avs don't think Tyson Berry's worth 4.25 million a year. And the Tyson Berry camp on a long-term deal would want more than 6 million. This the arbitration is a 1 or 2 million dollar uh, commitment. 1 or 2 year commitment. Right. A year a million dollars are all the same. Which begs the question, you know, what do you think an arbitrator would decide uh, knowing now what they offered. The offers are six versus four point two five, right? There's, right. I can't. I, I don't know how it works. It said four and four point one two five. Right. Uh, the Avalanche are offering a two-year deal. Yeah. An arbitration. Barry's only asking for one. Yeah. Then it's gonna be because he get doesn't the arbitrator give a one-year and a two-year, and the player can pick. Or am I crazy? I think the Avs pick because the player elected arbitration. Oh. Arbitration's so weird. But whatever yeah. it is, I mean, what's halfway between there? It's, the number's going to be somewhere between five and five and a quarter. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's for one year or two, though? I think if I think if it's anything close to five, they take two years. Yeah. If it's over, if it's 5.5 or over, they might think about one year. But, but either way, happens. he's going to have either one or two years left of RFA after that. Right. We can get to do. We might get to do all this again. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. You know, watching Twitter <laughs> melt down every third day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Isn't Julagist the best? It is. <laughs> but I, you know. I, I think it's going to be pretty close to the middle, to trending slightly towards Barry as far as what the arbitrator will award. Um, you know, and it's not a bad deal for the Avs. So I, that's why I think they're fine with going through with this. I, I don't know why Barry is, though. Because if he has a better offer on the table that's not better enough, I guess, I, I don't know why he's not taking it. And I'm not right. saying he's greedy or whatever. It's just. You know, he may be asking for things outside of salary or term that the Avs aren't willing to give. But Isn't it strange we haven't gotten a rumor about an offer sheet yet? I mean, even if it's, uh, you know, coming from the agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as leverage. Uh, isn't it strange we haven't had a single rumor about an offer sheet? I mean, we heard about Ryan O'Reilly, you know, all summer long. I mean, 
maybe it was because of the timing right after the lockout, but uh, there hasn't been a rumor about an offer sheet, like a you know one that you think might happen. Um, I mean, everyone's you know everyone said Winnipeg was really worried about Truba getting an offer sheet, and yet he's you know he's still unsigned. Right. You know, could be another thing kind of fading in the NHL. You know, just like your bridge deal, but. Yeah, that, that chatter is usually fans saying offer sheet Brandon Saad. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I you know, I, I think there's, you know, there's real reluctance on GM's part to, to offer sheet anybody. And, you know, I think there should be. It does not build a lot of goodwill, does it? Well, just, you know, if they're on the team side, it really doesn't help the teams as a whole to do that. Right. So, I mean, call it collusion, but, it, I mean, I'm sure the league doesn't want to see offer sheets. You know, is this also not evidence that maybe a long-term deal is closer than we think it is? You know, because if they're that far away, shouldn't the agents be floating these rumors? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I really think that, that at the last possible second, like maybe as the arbitrator is opening his mouth to render the decision, that they, you know, Newport goes, stop, all right, we'll take it. You know, I mean... Because <clears throat> I, I, you know, it sounds like what Barry's been offered as far as a long-term deal, and this was, you know, by reports about a month ago that it's a pretty good deal. Well, we've been exactly this far with Ryan O'Reilly, and the two camps were outside the courtroom waiting to go in and said, "So should we just do this?" And yeah, and sign the deal yeah. right there. Exactly. I mean, so it, I mean, eight thirty tomorrow morning that that this comes down. That all right, we'll do it. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was only for the two years. It wasn't a long-term deal, but... Yeah, arbitration is not a cost-saving move. It's not a player being a dick move. This is making sure that your player is signed, putting a deadline on things so they can't, you know, hold out through camp or something. Exactly. I mean, this you know. is how the league ensures players are paid what they're actually worth, too. I mean, Also that. The leagues, like, you know, football and basketball that don't have this process. That's why you get players that earn outrageous salaries after one good season. And that just doesn't happen in hockey and baseball. Yeah. So it's a good thing. And people yeah, should one thing, take it you know, away. don't forget that, that the Avs have the NHL backing them and Tyson Berry has the NHL PA backing him. I mean, it's, it's not just Tyson versus Sackick. It's, you know, it's the NHL versus the NHL PA. And so there, there are a lot of interests there being represented in, in arbitration. Right. Yeah, the, the only downside to arbitration has always been that <coughs> players come out of it having hated the process because that hearing is not pleasant to a player. Right. They must just get dissected. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that should be, you know, trying to avoid that should be part of the impetus for getting a contract done. Right. You know, I mean... Yes, three years from now, you don't have to deal with that, but you do right now. So, you know, you don't have to go in there and get torn down. Nope. Sure well, don't. I'm looking forward to at least uh, this discussion ending for the season. Right. <laughs> sure it'll start back up again if they don't get a long-term deal done, but oh, you know, if, I'm looking if forward he, to this wrapping up. If he goes through arbitration and then takes the one or two year deal, it's going to be when are they trading Tyson Berry for the next one or two years until he signs a contract extension through twenty. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even want to think about it. 
something we can talk about until he just doesn't get traded. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then who do we move on to? Who's the next player? <laughs> you know? Dane, probably. Who, who will the mainstream hockey media focus on next as the Avs problem player that they can't deal with? Yeah. They hate Chris Begra. Right. <laughs> There's no telling who they'll pick next. Sometimes random. They hate Nikola Maloche. Well, thanks for joining me this evening, guys. I don't know if you have anything else to, uh, to add here. I don't. Kind of dead part of the year, news-wise. Except not, because we just talked about hundreds of things and left several others on the table. Yeah. Well, it's about to be very newsworthy here soon, so check out Mile High Hockey. We'll have plenty of instant reaction and analysis from people with hopefully level heads. <laughs> Those comment sections are always a treat when something like that happens because it's like 30 comments of panic mode or <laughs> jubilation, one or the other. <laughs> every thread is mixed that way it's not it's not an entire thread of panic or an entire thread of jubilation you've got both and then about an hour goes by and people start being like you know what i have a reasonable opinion <laughs> <laughs> ah finally and then when something I turns bright blue when you go all right we've done one, our job one thing i did want to mention um like we were talking about, they have these junior development camps that you, you've never heard of. Um, that Those are happening next week in Plymouth, Michigan. Okay. And uh, Tyson Jost will be there. Adam Werner will be there. Um, and they the games will be broadcast on TSN. And Ooh. So um, that should be fun. I'll put up posts on and on the site. The, the games will be next. Yeah. On TV? Yep. And the... What an see. idea. I know. The games are on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. So like we'll, we'll have some posts up on that, and we'll, we'll try and follow along with our guys. Hopefully they get into at least, uh, you know, you can't hope for more than two games. I don't think anyone plays all three mm-hmm. at each team plays. But, well, uh, they got a big rush they're trying to evaluate, eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Canada has, I don't know, I think they have 30 or 35 players, something like that. So, yeah, they're... You know they're, they're they're trying to whittle down the roster for their development camp in in December, um, but you know it should be fun. It's August. There's you know it's hockey. It's something to think about. And Tyson Jost just might be our new favorite player. So oh, yeah. get your first look if you haven't had it yet. Tyson Jost. All right. Well, um, enjoy the. Uh... Enjoy the Northern Colorado and enjoy the wildlife reserve with the street racers and uh, everybody else out there. Hopefully your summer is not dreadful. I, I know many of you enjoy summer. I don't understand you people. Yeah. Ne- next week we enter the worst month on the calendar for my money. I know you may disagree. That makes your opinion terrible. Anyone who can explain to me why August is good. I invite your opinions. I'd love to not be miserable for the next month, but I think I will be. (laughs) Uh, I'm going outside right now to spite you. All right. I don't know when we're going to be back exactly. It obviously depends on things happening. Um, 
but it may not be until uh, camp. I don't know. It's it's time for the the twilight era of hockey to to hang out with us for a while, and then we can do some other things. I, I don't get as upset about hockey offseason as some fans do because I have other interests, and now I have time for them. Yeah. Fun. Cycling at the U.S. Open. I'm all set. All right. <laughs> you had your biking thing last week, right? Isn't that the one in France? Oh, yeah. And the Tour <laughs> of starts on Monday. There's a biking thing in France or something. It's biking it's like thing. so amateur, man. They can't even keep their fans in line, you know? <laughs> they stand wherever they want, all willy-nilly. <laughs> I know. Stupid motorcycles run over riders all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that seems bold to me. You'll stand next to the cycle racing or cycling racing people. So yeah, go stand there as they slow. go by. The worst thing is they by. turn their backs to them and try to get selfies and then get smashed into. <laughs> Dopes. <laughs> I mean, I I want to laugh at them, but at the same time, that sucks for the dude who just got thrown ass over tea kettle yeah. off, off his bike at like a million miles an hour. Got yeah. road rash on half his body. I know. Oh. <laughs> brutal yeah what a what a bizarre sport that is like live in person it is it's it's fun to watch i went to my first bike race when i was oh, i don't know 16 or 17 it was, it was a major pro race in downtown boston criterium uh, and it just you you couldn't believe it i mean the bikes are going so fast you're like i can't so believe fast. bikes can go that fast i've been watching the usa pro challenge the last few years it's incredible yeah they're just zipping around City Park, you know. It makes all those doofuses who slap on their spandex on weekday afternoons, you know, look <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like, I just you know, right, park, we... but you were not acting the part. I, right. I'm not a road rider. I ride off the road. I'm a mountain biker. I just no like watching for Earl. Doofuses. We look forward to your letters, spandex doofuses. <laughs> <laughs> Could use that as a band name too. I'm giving that to somebody. Spandex doofuses. Being that, an active town, it's it's actually okay to wear spandex in, in normal places of business in Asheville, but you know, you should. Probably not. Nah. Yeah. Probably a, everybody. Probably a fashion faux pas. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will see you guys all on the other side of this god awful month, and. Uh, Looking forward to a, a new season of Avs Hockey with a new direction, and uh, especially defensively. Yes. And uh, hopefully we can see some better things. We'll be back around preseason, make some predictions that will, of course, all be correct. You know us. Every single one of them is going to come true. You wait. In Pratt, we trust. In Pratt, we trust. Hey, I mean, what else are you going to do? Watch the news? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> Get that out of here. All right, you guys keep your heads up and stick the dirty areas, and we will see you next time. Peace. Adios. See ya.